to episode nine of our podcast in the shadow of the evening trees my name is david von ebers and i'm jennifer von ebers and uh if you haven't listened before um or you have only listened to some of our episodes maybe we can recap a little bit talk about who we are and and why we're doing this um it's appropriate because we just celebrated our i almost said 25th I almost said 28th. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Our 27th wedding anniversary. Yes. Um, yeah, after a, a while, um, things become kind of blurry. And then you also add in the fact that um, we've had two years of this uh, crazy pandemic, which obviously has impacted everything. Yes. Um, but so the nature of our podcast and why we are we decided to do a podcast is because our relationship is somewhat different than what you might expect um, in that we are what you would call or what is often called a mixed uh, orientation marriage. Um, that's not like being uh, married to someone who is a fan of a like a rival um, sports thing. Yes. Like <laughs> I was once married to someone who was a Michigan fan. We won't go into that. <laughs> But no, I mean, all kidding aside, um, I'm gay and Jennifer is not. And uh, well, of course, that sort of, never mind. That yeah. didn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> but you get the gist. Yes. Um, and so given that's kind of an unusual situation, we decided, you know, that would be something um, to talk about. Just because I think that is not a common topic, per se. And uh if you look from us from the outside, you just think that, you know, we have just, uh, you know, a marriage like everybody else's, but ours is special and unique and amazing. And we just wanted to kind of showcase that um, you can still be married in that kind of situation. And uh, it looks like a normal ma- normal marriage from the outside in that I'm grumpy <laughs> and old. And uh, we have... <laughs> We have three uh, three adult kids, which is bizarre. Very bizarre. Um, but uh, given that we just celebrated our twenty uh, seventh anniversary, I had to say that slowly yes. so I got it right. Um, I, we thought it would be fun to maybe just sort of recap why we're doing this. Interestingly enough, two years ago, celebrating our twenty fifth anniversary, we went out to dinner, had a very lovely dinner. Um, little did we know that would be sort of the last time we would actually do anything exactly <laughs> like that Before for the a world ver- sh- shut right. down. That was and actually, do you remember another funny thing about that evening? I, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Is the the people behind us at the restaurant? It was uh, the one person was the midwife who actually delivered all of our children. Right. So kind <laughs> of like the last um, uh, sort of picture we took of our doing anything <laughs> other than hunkering down in our home 
was uh, a picture of us with the midwife who delivered all three of our kids, which is pretty wild. Yes. Uh, we had all kinds of plans. We were going to go on a trip to Mexico. We had all these things, you know. Which we kind of thought two years ago, you know, as, you know, we were being sent home from work in March, that kind of like our vacation yeah. in April was like, well, maybe it's going to blow right. over by then so we can um, go on our trip. We were so clever because we had put, we didn't plan it for right around our um, our actual anniversary. We planned it for April, about a month after our anniversary, uh, given one of our kids was supposed to be going out of the country on a school trip to France and all this. And we thought, oh, this will be great. Then the pandemic comes along and we think, well, sure, you know, maybe that April vacation is still going to happen. Well, it didn't, needless to yeah. say. Although we did actually, we did uh, a few weeks ago spend some time in downtown Chicago and stayed at a nice hotel. We did. So it's not like we've been entirely locked indoors, but uh, but it seems like it. The funny thing is this year uh, for, <laughs> for our anniversary, you know, things keep changing with the pandemic. So when we went downtown and spent a weekend, long weekend in the city, uh, this is Chicago, we're right outside of Chicago. Um, there were still certain rules in place. People had to wear masks. You had to show proof of vaccination if you went to restaurants and bars and that sort of thing. So it felt very safe. And it actually felt pretty normal because people were just kind of going along with it. Then they lifted all those restrictions, which may or may not be a good thing. I have no idea. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you can tell by our tone that we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not necessarily optimistic. But then... then you know, since they lifted all that stuff, we're looking at our anniversary coming up and we're like, yeah, maybe we'll just stay home again. <laughs> so we made pizza. We did. We which did make homemade pizza, Chicago-style pizza. Well, you know, you have to explain. When you say Chicago-style, people get the wrong impression because it's not deep dish. It is not deep dish. It's what we call tavern-style, which is actually a very firm, thin-crust pizza cut in squares. With hot Italian sausage. Right. We put banana peppers on it this time. We did. We have three kinds of cheeses, awesome sauce, and we do have three kinds cut of in cheeses. squares as uh, God intended. As God intended, say, as, a, as we often say. <laughs> so that was very nice and uh, you know very low key. Um, and then we over the weekend um, picked up our youngest daughter from the train. She came home for spring for spring break from college. There's like one too many prepositions in that sentence. There was. <laughs> she came home from college for spring break. I think that's what I was trying to say. Yes. So that's very nice. So we, uh, you know, we had our anniversary. Then our daughter came home. Now she's going to be home for a week. That's lovely. And then we also have many other events coming <laughs> up, birthdays and such. Yes. But it kind of goes back to what you're saying. I mean, despite our circumstances, everything is like, really sort of just normal in our lives like you know we go out for our anniversary or we make pizza for our anniversary and our kid comes home from college and we have birthdays coming up and right. we're going to have normal uh you know birthday celebrations so it's kind of funny because in many ways we're just like kind of boring people and now you may be able to hear the noise in the background of our cats trying to get trying in to get into the room get into my office where we record this <laughs> so uh you know but don't you that's think all it, that. um it, if we can be co-workers in um in a pandemic in, in a pandemic for two years um if we can survive that i think we can survive anything <laughs> i think that's true um 
but not everything is is happy and fun. Everything for us is, but um, you know there have been so many crazy things going on lately. And as an old person, you know I feel like we're sort of like reliving things that have happened in the past. I'm talking about all this crazy legislation that's happening around the world with around the world, mostly around the country with you know in the state of Florida and the state of Texas. There's a new uh, bill in Idaho, all these things attacking the LGBTQ plus community. And I've been thinking a lot about that because I think when I'm not working and we're not doing our stuff, I spend too much time on social media and I pay more attention to it um, than I should. Uh, and and it's really, you know, it takes a mental toll and I, not to switch gears, although obviously I just did, but I think that's something that you know, is worth talking about. So like specifically the things that I'm talking about, the bills that I'm talking about are, you know, Texas just passed a law, for example, that in public schools for kids between kindergarten and third grade, they can't even talk about the fact that gay and, and, and other members of the community exist. Like they're not even allowed to talk about the fact that there are people who might be in same-sex relationships and things like that. In Texas, you may recall that the attorney general issued an opinion saying that parents who um, provide affirming health care for trans and non-binary children, minors, are potentially guilty of child abuse. And then the governor issued an executive order requiring state officials to investigate people, parents, who do that sort of thing for their children. In Idaho, they passed, a, now that's an executive action, and the courts in Florida just issued a restraining order, but the restraining order was based on the fact that the governor may have exceeded his authority. It doesn't necessarily go to the question of whether or not the underlying law would even be constitutional. It really just has to do with whether or not the governor had the authority to issue that order. Uh, that's in Texas, I misspoke. I think I said Florida. Anyway, in Idaho, they've actually, someone has introduced a bill that would also punish parents for providing uh, health care to trans and non-binary students, and they're characterizing it again as child abuse. And this is really sort of taking a dark turn because what you've got is, you know, people again demonizing members of the LGBTQ plus community as being dangerous for children, you know, theoretically being, you know, either abusing children or being predators. Now, in the Florida case, you may say, well, well you know, okay, it, it doesn't apply to all public schools. It doesn't apply to all students. It's really just limited to the younger kids in kindergarten versus uh, kindergarten through third grade. But here's the thing. Why? What is the point of it? Well, they claim that somehow or another you cannot introduce, you know, issues of like, you know, sex or, or sexuality or whatever in the grades with younger children because somehow that will be harmful. No one is talking about, you know, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling for words. What I'm saying is they're equating the existence of gay people with sex. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like one thing has not really anything to do with the other. The fact that there are people who have, say, two parents of the same sex 
is not really any different, especially from a child's perspective, than the fact that someone, someone else has two parents who are of the opposite sex. In either case, you're not talking about what they're doing in the bedroom. You're simply acknowledging that people exist. But, you know, they, they treat everyone in the community as though it, the mere mention of the fact that gay people exist automatically means you're talking about what those people are doing behind closed doors, which, of course, is not at all the case. Um, and so they're turning the community into, you know, they're treating everyone in the community as though they're predators, right? This is like, I mean, this is exactly what happened when, when we were much younger. Mm -hmm. You know, this is exactly the way people tried to demonize gay people especially because in those days, you know, we hardly even talked about anyone, you know, acknowledged that there were other parts of this community. It was just gay people who were demonized. Um, and we pretended that other people like transgender and non-binary people and bisexual people and so forth didn't even exist, you know. And to the extent we acknowledged they exist, we treated them even worse than we treated gay people. So... It's just this incredibly difficult time right now. You can't go on social media without seeing this. And I saw, you know, I saw today uh, a news organization on, on Twitter um, quoted something that the governor of Florida said, um, thanking the Florida legislature for passing this bill about not being able to talk about uh, LGBTQ people in the lower grades. And I'm not going to repeat what he said because it was just along the lines of what we're, I've been talking about. You know, the implication being that um, gay people or, or anyone in the community, you know, were synonymous with what you do in the bedroom as opposed to just being people who exist in the it's real so world. Right. And I read this and, I, and I've seen so many quotes like that. The, 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 um, the governor, the Florida governor's uh, press secretary referred to the bill as an anti-grooming bill, implying, of course, that, you know, again, that gay people are predators, right? Um, and finally, I'm like, can't we just get a break, right? I mean, why do we have to continually throw these quotes in everybody's faces? I know what people think of us. Why do I have to, you know, go on social media and see it every day? every day see these you know really offensive uh quotes from from public officials and they say these things without any consequence no one is ever going not only are they not going to ever be sort of held accountable for telling lies uh, and, and spreading these horrible things but they're actually you know they win elections this way this actually they they benefit from from peddling these these horrible lies about us and you know, some I I got an, it was like a tipping point for me today. I'm like, give me a break. Why do we? I, why do I have to keep seeing this every day? And I guess that kind of gets to what what I've been thinking about is like, you know, this really takes a mental toll on people, right? I mean, it, it's really hard to sort of figure out: do you not go on social media? Do you not pay attention to the news? Do you avoid all this stuff? in order to protect your own sort of mental health. But then if you do that, then you're not aware of things that are going on or you're not able to combat them or sort of push back against 
these sorts of things. So there's a downside to ignoring them, and there's a downside to being aware of them. And, and it's I, not like you want to be fighting every day and yeah, arguing with people right. all day. And I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, there's a few things you can do, I suppose. Obviously, if you can find constructive things to do that are beneficial and can help, you know, advance the cause, that's great. But we can't, we're not all in a position where we can, you know, get involved in this kind of advocacy every single day of our lives. You know, I was very fortunate last year um, during Pride Month, I was able to do with some colleagues to do some presentations on transgender rights, which is great because, you know, we have a transgender daughter. It was a constructive way of dealing with this sort of, you know, mental anguish or what, however you want to phrase it, that came from all the anti-transgender pieces of legislation that, that started coming out last year, trying to ban kids from playing sports that correspond with their gender identity, trying to keep kids out of public spaces, public bathrooms and locker rooms and so forth. Um, and that, that was, uh, you know, working with colleagues and putting on these presentations for people at work during Pride Month, that was a sort of a real positive way to channel that energy. Uh, and that's great. And if you can, if you find ways to be constructive, that's wonderful. But you're not always going to have those opportunities. And we still have to live our lives and do our jobs and things like that. So, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about, so what are the other things you can do? Anything you can do that's constructive and working for change, that's great. But you're not always going to be able to do that every single day. So, like, what are the other things you can do? Well, you know this kind of gets to this whole, I sometimes feel like it's a little wishy-washy, this whole thing about wellness, right? People, people meditate, people use, you know, apps on their phone, like Headspace and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. But um, there have to, those things aren't going to work for everybody. I know a lot of people use exercise as a way of um, sort of clearing their heads and, and getting, getting fresh air, getting fresh air. Uh, but this, you know, it's more challenging now because we still have this sort of lingering effects of the pandemic. You may not necessarily want to go to a health club and be in close contact with other people. Um, you know, even if you do, you're, you still might be stuck at home for long periods of time. And it really does take a mental toll. And, and uh, you know, I also think just to be to be kind of blunt about it is all that kind of stuff, whether it's you know, meditating, getting exercise, playing an instrument. We, uh, we've talked about in the past that we took guitar lessons a few years back and started playing guitar. Um, all those things are great and can be beneficial, but you know, sometimes people need real help, like real actual professional help. They need to be able to go to a doctor, go to a therapist, maybe get medication. I know, you know, there's a tendency, I think, in a lot of quarters, people shy away from that sort of thing. But I think that's, you know, that's got to be a part of whatever, this, not, not for everybody, but that's got to be part of the solution. And I also think, you know, being more upfront about it and talking about it, talking about the mental toll that it takes, I... Um, I just don't think people outside of the community necessarily understand the toll that it takes, you know? I don't think they do. You know, because it's a daily thing. And like I said, you can kind of hide and live under a rock and, and, and try to pretend that this isn't all going on. 
but eventually it's going to sort of intrude into your life anyway because even if even if you can avoid um coming into contact with the bad news that's out there people who you know you care about are going to be affected by it um because you know, that's the thing. They you, even though they might not be talking about something you directly, you personally, it's a personal attack right. on you to hear that for you know for everybody else having to go through that. And it takes a toll. I, I do think I do think for some younger people in the community, you know, and and I'm not. This is no disrespect at all. Just the opposite. I think sometimes younger people in the community shrug it off a little more effectively, and I think that's great. Um, but for people who are older, you know, we lived through a lot of this. You know, there's a time, this is an interesting story because you talk, we, we don't talk a whole lot about politics in, in the sort of left versus right sense all the time. But of course, these things come up in a political context all the time. Back in the 1970s, there was a ballot initiative in California. They like to have their ballot initiatives in California. They like to change the law by <laughs> referendum all the time. But there was a ballot initiative in California to ban gay people from teaching in the public schools. And Ronald Reagan, of all people, recorded public service announcements against it, objecting to it and saying it's, you know, it's ridiculous and they shouldn't. Now, Reagan was no saint. Reagan committed a lot of, made a lot of mistakes. Let's just put it that way. I was, right. was going to go in a different direction. We'll say made a <laughs> lot of mistakes especially when it came to the AIDS crisis. He couldn't even say the word AIDS and so forth. But my point is, is this is the kind of fight we've been having for as long as I can remember, for my whole life. I'm going to be 60 this year. And to have this stuff sort of resurface now, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. But it's a unique mental burden. Um, we just went through this experience in Illinois a couple of years ago where we had a candidate um, for the Illinois Attorney General's office, a Republican candidate who's obviously a lawyer. Well, I don't know if it's obvious or not. In fact, she's a lawyer, a downstate lawyer. She had been a Miss America, uh, a Miss Illinois contestant. In fact, I think she became Miss Illinois. Um, and and it this was back in around 2000 when she was in the pageant. She's 19 or 20 years old. And it came to light that apparently in some of the meetings with the judges where they asked the contestants a lot of questions, apparently she said something along the lines of she would, if she were in charge of placing adoptive children with parents, she would place adoptive children with abusive, like child abusers, straight child abusers, rather than uh, non-abusive gay couples, right? Now, when the story came to light, she never denied it, at least not as far as I'm aware, but she got all uh, offended and said, well, how dare you bring up this thing from my past? And, you know, it's all anonymous sources. But she never actually confronted it and acknowledged it. And I found it so shocking, especially because as a gay person who's a parent, you know, that is a personal mm -hmm. attack, right? And everybody said, oh, she was young, she was immature. She wasn't young and immature. She was pushing 20 years old. Yes. <laughs> that's not young. That's not immature. Um, and that was in the late 1990s when 
That was not a common attitude to have no, for a 19 or 20 years. We have nieces and nephews who are in that age group. Yep. None of them thought that way. I can go back to when I was in high school. I never heard one of my friends saying, oh yeah, it would be better for a child to be raised by a child abuser than a, than a, uh, than a gay person, right? I, I, even in my era, I don't recall anyone saying everything, anything quite that um, obnoxious. But the reason why I bring that story up is that you know, it was a shocking thing to hear as a gay person, but everybody just shrugged it off. Oh, it was a long time ago. No one thinks that way anymore. It's in the past. Don't worry about it. And here we are just a couple of years later. Mm -hmm. And we actually have, you know, elected officials all over the country who are saying exactly these kinds of things. They're attacking gay people. They're calling gay people and not just gay people, transgender people, non-binary people. Anyone who's not cisgender and straight, basically, you know, is a predator. They're, they're absolutely, you know, and I would love to go back and talk to the people who defended this attorney general candidate and say, okay, now what do you have to say for exactly. yourself? Because her attitude, which you all shrugged off and said it's no big deal, her attitude is increasingly common among elected officials around the country. And, you know, um, and the, the way they are attacking parents of transgender and non-binary uh, people and the way they're attacking, you know, um, uh, gay people as being potential predators and so forth, it's all, it all goes back to this kind of attitude that this person expressed. And she could have been the attorney general of the state of Illinois. Exactly. And everybody was, you know, I, I, th I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like, I can't believe this isn't a bigger deal. And all these folks that I know personally were just shrugging it off. Well, and it's also like you feel like there's, you're making progress and getting ahead. Mm -hmm. And then when you see stuff like that, it's like we're back to square one. Right. You know. Now, I mean, you know, one way to look at this, and I think we've talked about this in the past, so I'm, I'm repeating myself, but... One way to look at this is, okay, this is sort of like the last, the last stand. You know, these folks know they've lost the culture war, the culture war that they started, right? They're attacking us. We're not attacking them, but they've lost. The public opinion is against them. You know, we've got, we've got, we went from one extremely pro LGBTQ plus president to an even more right. pro LGBTQ plus <laughs> Uh, uh, president, someone just pointed out today that it was actually Joe Biden who really sort of pushed Barack Obama towards being a, a supporter of marriage equality. In any event, I'm not going to say anything bad about Barack Obama on this subject. He was the best president we had up to that point on yes. these issues. Joe Biden is maybe the best president we've had up to this point on these issues. But so maybe what we're seeing is really just a reaction against um, the fact that these folks know they're losing, that they've lost in the court of public opinion and they're grasping at straws. But it's horrible to have to go through it anyway. You know, yeah, sure, back in the 70s and 80s, these horrible attitudes were the majority opinion. Now they're the minority opinion, but we're seeing, you know, states pass laws, even though it's the majority, uh, the minority opinion, maybe coast to coast, States are still passing these laws. So, you know, Florida and Texas and places like this 
are pretty hostile towards us, whether or not it's sort of the last gasp of a, you know, a, a, a losing battle, a losing argument, it's still there and it's still dangerous. And it's still happening. So I think, you know, one thing we should probably talk about over time in future episodes is, you know, what strategies work to help deal with the with the mental strain and all this. And if anyone's listening and they want to share some thoughts about it in the comments. Absolutely. That would be great. Uh, we're sort of approaching our time limit. We try to keep these around half hour, perhaps a little bit less. So we're right at, about at that we time. about that time. Um, in our typical fashion, I rambled on quite a bit, so, uh, you know. Uh, it's all good. That's all, that's, that's all we got for tonight. Um, <laughs> so hopefully uh, things will be looking up in the future. But Definitely. Share a thought if, if you have any thoughts about strategies to deal with some of this, uh, the mental fallout of some of these things, and we'll talk more about this in the future. Sounds good. Have a good night, everybody.